caught me with some oatmeal here. Um, I have a nice bowl of oatmeal sitting here, some blueberries. You don't care about my oatmeal, but that's okay. Stone cut oatmeal, cinnamon, truya, um, coconut oil, mm, tasty, tasty, tasty cup of coffee. Trying to get energy ready to go for the day today. Get that cup of coffee. Let's have a little sip together here. Yum, yum, yum. Anyway, hey, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 today. And uh, I was thinking about something before we got into the... uh, the verbal part of the broadcast, thinking of Don's name. 
And, and I got thinking, hmm, who are famous people with the name Donald? And I got thinking, who are famous people with the name James? And I got thinking, hmm, I wonder what famous people would have your name or you would have their name, however you want to look at that. You know, I was thinking, uh, Donald, three quick ones came to mind. I'm sorry, Don. Uh, one that came to mind was Donald Rumsfeld. Remember him? I think it was the defense secretary under one of the Bushes, I think. Something under Reagan, too, I, I think. There's Don Knotts. Uh, and famous, famous, famous actor, you know, kind of silly. But then, it, sorry, Don, it degrades from there. Then there was a Donald Duck. <laughs> Famous Donalds. Who are the famous? How about this one? I didn't. I didn't mention this Donald. Donald Trump. There. There. There's another famous Donald. James. Um, James Buchanan. He was a president. Um, I, I didn't have much time to think about. It. I was more thinking about Donald. Um, but whose name do you share? Not that this is going to change your life, but just just kind of some. Uh, musing I was doing this morning as people were starting to log in, you know, uh, St. Francis. How's that one? Um, Priscilla in the Bible. There is, there is that Priscilla and, uh, who, who else might be? And just think of your name, uh, and who may you share that name with who is famous, you're not here for this reason. You're here for 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and that's where we're going to go right now. 1 Corinthians 3, I've entitled this, Don't Be Divided. He says, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. Now, he states this uh, with an implication. The implication being this. The implication is that they should have been ready to be addressed not as mere spiritual infants. They should have been ready to uh, gnaw on some meat of the word. But they weren't. And that's the implication in verse 2 when he says this. Indeed, you are still not ready. You haven't prepared yourself. You haven't grown up. You haven't grown in the word. You haven't grown in personal holiness. Uh, You haven't grown in your pursuit of Christ. You haven't grown. You're still infants. You're still crawling around on the floor looking for your binky. It should not be that way. And sometimes, friends, in the life of a church, it can be that way. Uh, I have been around at times, different times, uh, over the many years of ministry, where I've been around people who've been Christians for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, 70 years, and yet, in many ways, they might claim all their knowledge and all their maturity, but they act infantile uh, in terms of the deeper things of God. Uh, They act infantile in terms of the ways that they seek to get along with other people, uh, and just it's just not the way that it ought to be. 
he said, you need to grow. You need to grow so that you can handle something a little bit more substantial. In verse 3, he says, you're still worldly. Sometimes we would point to people and say that worldliness has to do with, um, and these are sentiments of 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, let's just say 40 years ago, where, you know, you're not worldly if if you don't watch certain television programs, or you're not... uh, you're not worldly if you don't listen to certain styles of music. You're not worldly if you don't wear certain styles of clothes. You're not worldly if... And we had all these false things. And yet, and not necessarily always false, but sometimes false. And yet, people would get all hung up on, you know, you shouldn't wear jeans to church. And yet, there would be these things that we would read about here. There's jealousy and quarreling among you. Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? Our attitudes toward other people, our jealousies, our factions, our fightings, all of those types of things are things that that, that mark us as worldly. And yet I have known Christians who will just flat out ignore these things. It's okay to be jealous. It's okay to be unforgiving and hold on to unforgiveness for decades it is okay to um, to slander someone's name and gossip. Just make sure you have the right clothes on. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, that's not what the Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul says just the exact opposite of that. Then he goes further in this passage when he, he talks about these things. And, and I, would, I, I would say this uh, to you. I mean, are there uh, ways in which... You see these things today. I I don't think that we're in the same spot that we were 30 years ago uh, or 40 years ago. And Walter Huss commenting, we went through this uh, at at Lancaster Bible College in the 70s where, you know, you couldn't go to movies. You couldn't, you know, your, your Christianity was based on all these exterior things. And you could have all kinds of nasty attitudes about people. As long as you didn't go to movies, you were an okay Christian. Friends, that missed the mark. Totally missed the mark. And uh, I bring up movies because that was one of the things that was. Uh, there was a movie theater uh, on the corner of Eden Road uh, way back then. It's now a Sheets gas station. And, you know, to, to see uh, Lancaster Bible College students coming out of the movies was just make people aghast. And yet. What about their character? What about their love for people? What about their love for Christ? What about all of these types of things? These are questions that uh, that we would need to ask ourselves. A lot of external things being looked at, while a lot of uh, internal things or relational things simply flat out being ignored. Well, we need to go just a little bit further here uh, in the passage to see what else Paul has to say. And I've already kind of touched upon some of this uh, the other day. I'll touch upon it again. Verse 3, he said, are you still, you are still worldly? For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are not worldly, are you not acting like mere men? 
For when one says, I follow Paul, another I follow Paulus, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Now, again, I talked about this a few days ago, so I shouldn't labor it today, but in our day, I follow John MacArthur. Uh, I follow uh, Charles R. Swindoll. Uh, I follow um, David Jeremiah. Uh, I follow, I can see his face. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, I follow R.C. Sproul. That's not the name I was thinking of. Uh, I But we follow all these people. I follow Paul Washer. I follow... Uh, Greg Laurie, I follow Stephen Furtick, I follow, you just fill in the blank of all these uh, very well-known preachers, some really solid and some not so solid. But we start saying, well, I follow these ones. Friends, we need to be talking about, I follow Jesus. That's the interest. The interest is in how do we follow after Christ? How do we walk after Christ? When one says, I follow Paul, or one says, I follow Paulus, are, are you not mere men, as it says here in the passage? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. And the emphasis would be on, but God. I did my part, Apollos did his part, but it's God who made it grow. It is God who brought the increase. It is God who brought the fruit. It is God. And so we we have to come back and remember, who should be the center of our focus? Should it be a preacher? I mean, I shared local preachers the other day. Well, I follow Greg, or I follow Jim, or I follow Jacob, or I follow Garrett, or I follow Ian, or, you know, I'm just... Naming several, I, I feel follow art. I'm follow. Uh, I'm naming several uh, Waldo County pastors here locally, right around the Belfast area, which is kind of the central part of Waldo County. And uh, shouldn't be that way. I follow Christ. Tell me about your relationship with Christ. Don't tell me about your preacher. Tell me about your Savior. That's what I want to know. I want to know about Jesus. I want to know about what Jesus is doing in your life. I want to know about how Jesus has changed your life. I want to know what Jesus means to you, not some other man. Paul says, what after, what after all is Apollos? What after all is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to his task. Now, when it gets down into verse 6, which we've already covered, it says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. That verse is a great comfort to us to remember that sometimes we feel like we have to be the ones that close the deal. Sometimes we feel like we have to be like the whole, all of it's riding on our shoulders. But the fact of the matter is, each of us have our part that we play. Uh, Some will plant seeds. Some will cultivate soil. Some will plant more seeds. Some will water seeds, but ultimately it is God that makes people grow and brings around the fruit. Ultimately, it comes down 
to what God will do. So in verse 7, he has another but God. He says, but God made it grow, verse 7, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. He emphasizes the point that, that we're really looking for God as the one who will make things grow. The man who plants, the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded for, according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. We just need to remember we're working together with God. And among believers, working together among believers. There, there should not be divisions within a local church. We need to address those. We need to fix those. We need to counter those. We need to uh, uproot those. And there should not be divisions among local churches. Plural. Now, each local church has its own unique flavor, its own distinctives, and that's why people choose to go there. They choose, they, they like a particular style of music, maybe, or they like a particular, just the feel of a particular church, uh, or they like the depth of a particular church. Um, and that's why people choose to go to their churches. And, and, and God has given us a multitude of churches uh, that connect with people, with, with which people resonate And so you go to the church that resonates with you. But we still should not be in a place where where we're arguing with people from other other churches. We we need to be in a place where we are, rather, uh, getting along and praying for each other and supporting and cheerleading for each other, not be divided. You have your part to play. I have my part to play. We all have our part to play. Ultimately, as it said in verse 6 and verse 7, it is God who makes things grow. So do your part. Plant your seed. There's a Billy Graham study that said it took it takes people a, this is an old study, it takes people on, on an average seven positive encounters with the gospel before they're ready to respond to it. Seven. Some of us think, well, I'm going to go share the gospel with somebody, and instantaneously, boom, they're going to believe. And I, I, in fact, had someone ask me that. had a Jewish man in my office one day not uh, all that long ago, and he sat there for several hours, and somebody said, well, you led him to Christ, right? And I'm like, "Uh, no. He has been searching these things out for years and years and years and years, and he's not quite there yet. It isn't your convincing argument. It isn't your presentation of the gospel. It's the work of the Spirit of God. Ultimately, evangelism is the work of the Spirit to draw people to saving faith in Christ. And that, that is a conviction that we need to have, that it, it, it isn't hinged upon you. It isn't hinged upon me. It, it's upon the work of the Spirit to uh, draw people to Jesus, ultimately. So uh, to me, it's, and I I get where these people are coming from. You presented the gospel in such a convincing way. Paul says right here, we're not able to convince uh, people. We're not able to present the gospel in such a convincing way. It is God who will make it take root. Ultimately, it is the work of God. Now he continues in verse 8, he says, The man who plants, the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his labor. 
for we are God's fellow workers. And I've already looked at that verse to think that we work together with God. It says, you are God's field, God's building. Now, Paul begins to switch metaphors here in this, in these verses, where he says at the top of the screen, you are God's field, you are God's building. Two different, uh, two different illustrations. The first illustration, you are God's field. Paul is alluding to what was uh, what he's already stated, talking about planting and watering and making things grow. That's the field illustration that he has given. And now he is turning to a building illustration. So the first part, after it says, for we are God's fellow workers, the first part, you are God's field, is referencing what lies before in the passage. And now, as he speaks of God's building, he is going to reference what is coming in the second part uh, of the text here. Verse 10. For by the grace of God given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should be careful how he builds. I, I did my seasons of building at Veracity Chapel, and now someone else is building on it, and everyone should be careful how they build on it. It says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And sometimes people like to try to lay other foundations. They like to try to lay things that uh, are substitutes, that are phony, that are fake, that, that aren't eternal. Uh, sometimes it has to do with feel-good psychology. And people want to build a foundation on psychology or on some of the, the, the pop culture stuff that you see. And I'm not saying that all that a guy like Tony Robbins says is bad. I'm not, he says a lot of good things, and he never, he never seeks to try to root it in Christ. So he's not a false teacher in that sense. He's just not teaching on, from the foundation of Christ. And Paul is saying there is no foundation that can be laid except that which is laid, and that is Christ. And he goes on and says in verse 12, if any man builds in this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, notice the capitalization there, the day, the day of judgment, that is always referenced to the day of judgment, the day of judgment will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he'll receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Now, I'm going to stop there for just a moment, because now he, he will go into another illustration of a temple in verse 16. But in these other verses, he's talking about our building materials. Uh, and he's talking in these, he's not talking about a church building. Uh, he is not talking about uh, a house necessarily. Uh, what he is talking about is our lives in Christ. What he's talking about is what we're doing for the kingdom. That is what he is referencing. What is the gold? What is the silver? What are the costly stones? What's the wood? What's the hay? What's the straw? I mean, the, the question of the day in all of these things is what are you building? Are you building with solid materials? 
Are you building with uh, lasting materials? Are you building with precious materials? Or, Or are you using dung and straw to build your buildings? Now, in Africa, that's all they had. Dung and straw, and that's what they built houses out of. They were dung walls and straw walls, and they dried it in such a way that, that that's what they had for houses. And they know they didn't smell for those that are wondering. But we might have at our disposal all kinds of good things that are gold, silver, and costly stones, but we may end up still just slapping stuff together and building with straw. What could straw be? Straw could be the um, simple devotionals that we give when we ought to be giving something a lot more meaty. Uh, Straw could be giving someone just a a pat answer without delving into the complexities of their situation. That can be straw. Uh, Straw can be not really doing the work of, of building disciples. That can be straw. And the question we would ask ourselves is, in our lives, and I know I have people across the spectrum of ages here, those of you that are that are a little bit older, you still have the opportunity to continue serving Christ and serve him well till your dying breath. That would be my word to you. To those that are younger, don't waste yourself chasing after the things of this world. Chase after the things of the kingdom. That would be my word of encouragement. Now, i got to come back over to the comments here. Uh, Priscilla says this several months ago, I broached the gospel to someone I see often. We have a professional relationship, and I was unsure I should do this. Nothing more was said until he asked a question two weeks ago, and I realized the seed was growing. What a great illustration, uh, Priscilla. We never know. I mean, it might seem like it falls on deaf ears, but then a conversation comes back around, and all of a sudden we begin to realize that, that what we've planted, God is, is is causing it to germinate. It's the work of God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in this person's life. And uh, Walter says we are to introduce people to God and use the story of what Christ has done for us in our everyday walk. That's exactly right. We are the experts of what God has done in our lives. We might not be the experts of all the theological finery, but we are the experts in terms of what God has done, and people cannot argue with us about those things. Now, a few things to pull out of this. It talks about what to build on, so for you to make sure that you're building uh, with things that are solid and solvent and lasting and, and not just the cheap stuff, because verse 13 says, His work will be shown for what it is. The day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he builds survives, he'll receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Because some people say, well, this is about judgment. It's about loss. No, notice what it says. You might escape just through the flames. It might be that you realize, yeah, you're a Christian. You made heaven by the skin of your faith. Because any of us gets into heaven by our faith, but we're not going to have crowns and trophies to present at Jesus' feet because we live for self and not for the things of Christ. Now, I'll pick up in verse 16 tomorrow about us being the temple. It is the third, uh, it is a third illustration. There's the illustration of the field. There's the illustration of a building. And thirdly, there's an illustration of a temple, and we will pick back up on that theme 
tomorrow. But today I ask you, uh, are you growing deep in Christ? Uh, today I ask you, uh, are you building with things that will last? Eternal things? Or are you building with, with things that will be burned up? What's your investment in, in the things of God? What's your pursuit of the things of God? How, how well are you helping other people begin to understand and see the things of God? That's a question we should all ask. Knowing that there will come a day, there will come the day that will bring our work to light. And the quality of our work will be tested. Lord, help me. Help me. Help my work to be all the more solid. All the more built on that which is eternal. And help my friends as well as they live their lives to live it in such a way that they're building on things of lasting value and not the cheap stuff of earth. And Lord, help us to plant seeds. Help us to water seeds. Then give us great joy as we watch you bring those seeds to fruition as people come to faith in Christ. Lord, hear our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow.